0: Hello everybody, so welcome back to Coffee Protocol Podcast. This is your host, Baristan Bike. I don't think I've seen it. But anyways, I'm just gonna put it inside. Okay. Um, cool, you ready? I'm ready. Hello. Hey, can you hear me? Perfect. Okay. Welcome Pranoy, on this episode of Protocol uh, Coffee Protocol Podcast. I fucked right there. So yeah. yeah, No, it's okay, I'll just dead. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more about your avocados, (laughs) man. Welcome, Pranay, to this episode of uh, Coffee Protocol Podcast. I'm so happy that uh, you are here. Thank you very much for joining us. So for those, maybe a couple of people who might not know you, because now I think everybody that I know on Instagram knows Haklu and knows you. Uh, so, for those who might not know you, could you briefly introduce yourself? Sure. No, first of all, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to have you here at Kerry Our and
1: work with you on a lot of processing. And um, yeah, excited to be on this episode of your podcast. And my name is Pranay Tipaya. I um, work and run, manage Kerry Our along with my dad. And um, we are sustainable growers who are what we consider biodiversity friendly and um, this is my second full season of um getting involved with coffee and specialty coffee in particular okay and um yeah just my sort of philosophy and um with social media and also how with talks and workshops is that it's more about education and awareness rather than pushing products and um things like that so it's been a,
0: a great learning curve and mm-hmm. there's a long way to go okay so a couple of things right off uh, your introduction so you are the fourth or no, fifth generation fifth, fifth generation yeah. okay so i'll come back to that in a bit a couple of things what you mentioned a what do you what do you mean by biodiversity friendly farm
1: so it's a good question it's for me Biodiversity means several different things. Um, we generally classify them as flora and fauna, okay. but there's a lot more to that. Okay. And in, from my research and experience, experience at Kerriha um things like fungi, um, things that we might not necessarily put into um, uh, these two categories, are huge parts of the Indian ecosystem. And um, particularly in South India and Chikmagalur where we grow coffee and because we share borders and two very large borders, in fact, with um, um, the Badra reserve forest um, in many different ways, we actually coexist with and live in harmony with um, birds, animals, again, fungi, but Uh, Birds and animals in particular, um, around the year, we have to sort of... We welcome in several ways, like we've been talking about and even interacted with Mm. during the time here. Mm. And um, going chemical-free is a big part of being biodiversity-friendly, and we've been chemical-free since August 2016. At the moment, we don't plan to go back to chemicals, but um, it's uh, it's looking... It took some time to get... Sorry, this is a long answer, but it took some time to sort of, um, for the plants to get used to not getting supplemented, but, um, we're seeing, um, that sort of plateau right now. And hopefully in the next season, we're expecting a lot, of, a huge chunk of our plants to actually start getting better and better. Okay. And, um, so yeah, largely speaking, it's just, of the ability of ability to coexist with the local biodiversity, but then also my dad, my brother and I, and my granddad before him, although he's quite elderly now, um, we'd like to consider ourselves as conservationists as well. Whether yeah. it's, um, the indigenous trees that we have in our nursery, whether it's, um, documenting, uh, the giant Malabar squirrel that we see all the time. Um, it's, again, it ties in with awareness. And okay. so that's how, how I would say we largely
0: are. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, so one of the one of the basic confusions I'm sure I've I've had in the past and I'm sure a lot of people might have it too. So what is essentially the difference between so like you've explained you are biodiversity friendly, and then there is something called as uh, organic, yeah, and then there is something called as sustainability, yeah. So essentially, are all three of them different or is it just a one thing different names?
1: Yeah, no, they're very different. I would say they're very different. So organic is a. Uh, I refrain from using the word organic, and I mm, mistrust is a big word. But there's a lot of doubts around several certific. Not just coffee. I've I've looked into organic certifications with a lot a lot of different kinds of agriculture, mm-hmm. rural, urban, hydroponic, mm-hmm. uh, aquaponic, all mm-hmm. kinds of certifications. And so, um, so for me, if you're going to use the word organic, um, you need to be certified. I don't, I think legally as well, if I'm not mistaken, you can't use that word unless you're certified. You literally have a certification of, which is authentic, um, which covers the, your whole parameter. And, um, we've thought about it, but also largely speaking, we think it may not, uh, help too much in a sense with coffee and margins and adding value or creating value even. But, um, to answer your second question or second part of your question, sustainability, um, the definition of sustainability by by the dictionary is basically you're not taking out more than you put in. And so Great. in several different ways, that sustainability can apply to how you grow anything on your backyard, in your, on a balcony, anything like that. But um, so yeah sustainability biodiversity friendly and organic three very different things mm-hmm. um, so and I must admit there's no we use the biodiversity friendly tag but there's no certification for it you get um rainforest alliance you get smithsonian bird um, um, certification there's a lot of different there's elephant friendly which mm-hmm. we're actually considering it's associated with tea mm-hmm. up north particularly but um, I read recently that they're starting to certify, certify plantations down south. So, in um, yeah, it's a lot of different terms and buzzwords that are being thrown around and used to make things almost trendy and Good. add margins and make it more marketable. But I'd like to think we're true to our words. We Good. live that lifestyle. It's not just, oh, okay, this is what we do these birds here. We care. We look them up. We try and mimic the forest that we, uh, share boundaries with. And in many senses, they're not just co-inhabitants of the land, but they're the rightful owners of the land. And we have Great. to remember that we have, we've come in, in the sixties and planted, so 50, sorry, and planted, um, coffee mm. and which is not indigenous to India mm. in our case. Mm. And, um, so yeah, that's that's basically it. There's a lot of different things. But we, I would say, sustainable and biodiversity-friendly are apt. I refrain, again, from organic because we're not certified. But I am considering certain parts of okay. the estate. I don't think it's fair to say you can say a whole 270-acre estate is organic. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to say that we are considering certain parts, maybe 30 or 40 acres. But not in the immediate future.
0: Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, for the end consumers, when they look up at different brands or different, let's say, coffee packets uh, as easy as possible, how how does one come to know whether this coffee is sustainable or whether it is organic With apart from the certificate? So you said there's going to be certificate which is there, but uh, apart from those certificates, because I've often also heard uh, a lot of people saying that these certificates are yeah. normally very expensive and sometimes not even worth getting it so yeah i mean there's a lot of conflicts here itself i mean at the at the yeah. plant level so how would that wouldn't that make it more confusing for the end consumer what to go for what to not go for
1: yeah absolutely i agree it's uh, about transparency we don't to add to your point about expense expense is one thing but with organic certifications you can bribe people to get yeah. a certification Correct. so that's not a legitimate certificate and okay coffee is a different case but if you're doing that with food and people are eating your food whether it's a cauliflower or a tomato that's wrong Correct. you know, it's wrong and so um it's about ethics it's about morality it's about different things but um i agree there's no maybe there needs to be some sort of um assessment of sorts which would take several factors into account where um, I also, to add to your previous question, the word organic, I have some issues with it. I don't, I feel like sometimes um, many people are trying things, you know, maybe you buy land or maybe you realize that, Hey, okay, what I was doing was wrong. Hmm. I need some time to fix that. Hmm. But your land is not going to be free of chemicals for a few years, but people are working towards that. And so, It's a fine line in many ways and um, it is confusing, there's no doubt. I think the only way of sort of maybe not solving it completely but helping and taking baby steps in the right direction is every producer, every grower, every planter, whatever you want to term them as, um, be as open as you can. Mm -hmm. Be as honest as you can because I think it benefits the whole value, with respect to coffee, it benefits the whole value chain. Whether you're a roaster, whether you're working in a curing works, whether you're a barista or mm-hmm. a home brewer, mm-hmm. if you are honest, if you are open, it just helps literally everyone. And so, um, um, yeah, it just sort of—it's a. Hopefully, I think I think we're
0: on the way. Yeah, where we are,
1: it looks positive, and I feel like a lot of people are sharing more. A lot of people are exchanging information, and so hopefully. Sooner rather than later, there's
0: um, more more transparent sort of value chains. Okay, fair enough. Okay, now coming back to uh, to what you said in your introduction. I mean, obviously, you guys grow a lot of coffee in your 2, 270 acre farm. Um, there are certain, as you said, specialty coffee, which will come to a little later. And then you have commercial coffee as well. Now, when you term your coffees to be uh, sustainability or biodiversity friendly or organic let's say assume that let's say you have an organic certification okay. and you're using that does that automatically mean that the coffee is going to be expensive it could and
1: technically i would say if you are following those practices and you're by the book and followed all the rules and a lot of it has to do with water and how much water you use, how you treat that water, how you where that water goes. Largely, um, I think if you are following all those rules, it is fair to demand a higher price because yes. it's not easy. I think the easier option is going for chemicals, and people forget that. Correct. We are brainwashed into thinking anyone you meet um, in uh, Canada, like I, there's a lot of small you would have seen over the next uh, over the last few days. In the village of Changod, small holders, yeah. half an acre to one acre. And I love just seeing what they're doing. And they have a communal pulper where they all come in together. And i just very interested to see how they prune their coffee, how they intercrop, what spacing and things like that. And um, anyone and everyone I've been exposed to um, thinks chemicals are right and that chemicals are good. And that's just been drilled into us, which is so sad and so wrong on many deep levels, but it's cheap. People are scared of losing their crops overnight, whether it's borer, whether it's a fungal infection, whatever it is. So it's like, I'd rather be safe than sorry. And for us as well, like we talked about, there was a a huge drop in production and yield. We dropped off for like two years and Mm. um, our numbers sort of were 75, 80% of what we were Used to Correct. at that time, and also we had a lot of young plants not into, not in their f- fruit bearing periods as yet. So okay. it was a tough year, and you have to take a lot of difficult decisions about who to sell your coffee to, how to process your coffee, and um, so yeah, I would say yes. I think it is fair to demand a higher price if you are following all these rules and you're honest about it, and um, I think consumers who want to sort of drink that coffee and know not just in terms of complexity your cup scores but know that okay this is sourced from a place that i can trust hmm. hopefully would be willing to pay slightly more per bag per um pouch of coffee and um yeah that's at least what i think
0: okay fair enough i mean that does make sense i mean there is a lot of extra that you put at the farm level and you would definitely demand um, that kind of a compensation back from your from whoever buys your coffee now coming a little later down in the value chain imagine somebody sitting uh, in a coffee shop who let's say in the current day go to any any top end cafe you get a you get a cappuccino for let's say 150 rupees or 200 rupees okay and you get a pour over for 180 200 rupees okay now let's say tomorrow there is a new coffee that is certified organic certified sustainable uh, coffee and biodiversity friendly and rainforest alliance and all of those things and that pour over or that cup of coffee instead of 180 it is 230 rupees yeah do you think a consumer thinks about all that happens beyond the scene before making that decision of paying extra 30 40 rupees for that cup of coffee
1: I'd say a small proportion. Not everyone, that's for sure. Not everyone is aware. Not everyone wants to know. They just want a great cup of coffee in the morning mm. or between their shifts at work or whatever. Now people are staying at home, so they stop by a cafe. Mm. And um, But I would say it's like any anything else. You go to a fine dining restaurant and you pay... First of all, it's local. This is not imported. And I okay. feel like it's that's a huge factor. I, I, I am an advocate of um, producers standing by what they think something is worth. Great. And only they know how much. How work has gone into it. How many hands have quite literally touched those beans from the time they've been picked to the time they made it over to a roaster a few months down the line. And yes, I think that comes with appreciation. It's like... Like a beer, like okay. you could get a a local beer for under maybe seventy eighty bucks a pint, and um, now there's a lot of craft beers, home microbreweries, and things like that, which is I don't know. People some teams seem to name their price, and it's fair enough. Yeah. Obviously, it's for a reason, and so okay. it doesn't always work. Sometimes it could backfire, and you could lose big batches, mm. and they could go unsold and things, but. I don't know. I think when you sell it to the roaster and also the roaster is pretty sure on the complexity and then adding to that by roasting it very closely profiled, Hmm. I think you could probably and hopefully mutually agree that, okay, this is going to be slightly higher, but hopefully or maybe people will be willing to pay or be like, okay, Let's give it a shot. If I like it, I like it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That's that's the beauty of coffee. Correct. You know, if you don't like it, don't buy it again. And that's fair enough.
0: Correct. Yeah. But that's interesting. I mean, let's... If we talk about beer... Yeah. I personally don't think I've ever spoken to or come across any brewery that... At least that that's what I remember. That, I've, that, is, that showcases that the barley that they're getting yeah. is sustainable or... Yeah. Organic or something like that. Yeah. Because like like an industry like beer, where most people consume it just for the entertainment source. Yeah. I don't think they really think much on the other side of it. I mean, I'm sure there'll be a very small population that would. Sure. uh, But most, they do not.
1: Yeah. Maybe so in terms of, yes, okay, maybe in with the example I gave of beer, it Mm. might not necessarily be the ingredients, but let's take Goa Brewing Company. It's my... Me my favourite beer right now. Correct. Eight Finger Eddie um Pineapple Saison which came and went. Um very new Saint Sinner... and okay, let's take Saint Sinner... for example, mm-hmm. okay? Um they have I forget where this guy is from, but this artist who's European do this beautiful branding pretty much. So it's not just for the bottle, but I visited their brewery in yeah. San Golda and Goa. Mm. And they he's done these sort of murals on the wall and thing. And so in many different ways there's that bottle itself is fancy. You see it. It's been dipped in this blue wax. And mm, so correct. that's expensive bottling. I've seen the bottling unit. It's not like a, you've a dude, man. It's like a machine, but a person is handling it. And, um, the hops, the barley, the all kinds of things that go into it. I don't, I'm not quite sure where they're from, to be honest, but, um, I'm sure it's of quality okay. and that's the main thing. And so If you obviously do your market research and you know, okay, fine, this is the way to go and this is how to position ourselves, um, I don't see why not. You have to sort of, obviously, it has to balance the books. You need to find enough buyers, enough consumers and hope that they drink it, enjoy it, tell Mm -hmm. their friends to buy it. But yeah, I don't see much wrong with it. Like again, it's anything, if you don't want to drink it, it's fine. It's cool, you know, but I don't think it's like me. I always get angry when people haggle with the veggie guy or the fruit guy, yeah. why are you doing that? Like, yeah. why are you doing that? This person knows what something is valued at. Great. You're trying to save five rupees on palak or something yeah. like that. Yeah. What is that five rupees to you and what is it to them? You know? And Great. so like, it's not exactly the same, but parallels along the way. And yeah. so I feel like the people who produce things know the value of things the same way you catch fish and you go out at sea and you know okay this fish is harder to catch than this and that's why it's worth this much and Correct. so that's how it works makes sense makes yeah. sense that
0: does, that does put the perspective right Yeah. Uh, now are you considering uh, to ever use chemicals again or you do not know yet probably not it's not part of our plans right
1: now right. Um, we're definitely looking at organic, organic I don't use the word organic but plant-based and naturally produced um, fertilizers and manures. Okay, I think we can do a lot more with that than we have been doing. This year, when the season comes and goes, composting is something that we've started, but I feel like we can do in bigger amounts and you can make something called compost tea, which is highly nutritious, highly fertile bits that you can just... It just gives the soil a lot of nutrition. And mm. so... The microbial activity, the earthworm activity, everything below the surface of the soil is thriving, and exactly. I feel like that, accompanied with the fruit trees that we have, particularly the the ficus genus and the one uh, several fig species, and then of course we have avocados and a lot of different citrus in the understory or the second tier shade, and yeah. it's it's nutritious soil, it's beautiful soil, and um, I think that that's helping our coffee. It's helping our cup scores and yeah. people don't often link that too I think that people are yes processing is a great thing but I feel like agriculture is overlooked in that sense and I think for us that's what's helped us it's the trees that we grow which I don't know people always ask me about how hey does uh, an orange tree next to your arabica bush taste different from a uh, does the coffee next to the arabica I mean coffee next to the <laughs> orange tree taste different from a uh, coffee next to a avocado tree correct I think there is research still going on into it and there's no, you can't draw.
0: There's no hard conclusion yet. Yeah, I'm sure there is. But there is some kind of relationship. Exactly.
1: Correct. But more than that, it's the plant health, which for me corresponds with fruit health and then the seed health. And that's what you're working with to then process. So it's all interwoven.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to take this one minute and focus on. Tell us more about your avocados man I think I think so many people are just so interested in the avocado side of karklu because yeah. I think it became a huge hit uh, in the social media at least yeah. uh, during the lockdown where I remember I saw the stories where you were like carrying crates of uh, avocados filling up your uh, car and then driving yeah, down yeah. to Bangalore and like Asking people to order and dumps so yeah. and stuff like that, so it was pretty cool. I mean, obviously, I see the Instagram side of it because yeah. I'm I'm sitting at home. Yeah. But um, tell us, how did you get into like the avocado side of it? So funnily enough, that's the
1: first part of career clue I got into. I wasn't into the coffee at first. Okay. I got back from I lived in Australia for five years. I got back from Australia in May 2017, mm-hmm. and. Finding my feet, trying to figure out what the hell to do with my life, to be yeah. honest. And yeah. June, July came around, and it was avocado season. And between um, my and my dad's plantation over here, Kerehakalu, and we have another plantation called Money, hmm. which is um, about 10 minutes away. Yeah. Beautiful estate as well, um, run by my granddad, but now my dad's also running both. Um, that estate, man, has so many fruit trees. And okay. so... Over there, that's where uh, a lot of the citrus in particular are, but the avocados are spread between here and there. But I would have to say the bigger avocado, like the monster avocados you would have seen, are yeah. from there. And so um, The kilo and the yeah, 1.3 yeah. kgs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, over a kilo. Um, and so it's interesting because people always ask, when have you planted it? I haven't planted it, my granddad did. They've been planted okay. anywhere between 20 and 40 years ago, depending on the tree. Wow. And so... um. Old trees. I've grown up around them. They've uh, we the one by our house now. When we used to have dogs uh, a couple of years ago, the trees, the, the avocados would fall. And back then, I didn't really eat them much. And I didn't honestly, when I was a kid, I didn't really like it mm-hmm. much. And the dogs used to eat them. <laughs> and we used to get people come in and actually on a contract paper sack and things like that. But then came in, coming back from Australia, I was like, okay, do you know how much people love avocados? And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And so I got this guy, Parmesha, who still works with us. He's a great tree climber. Um, Started small, got like 20, 30 kilos. And then literally I would take it on a bus. I would take the KSRTC bus. I would um, pack it up in a cardboard box, uh, poke some holes in the side and pay the luggage fee. And I'd take it to Bangalore. And then my first two months, I think in July, August, uh, 2017, I um got into my friend my friend's mum. She was I asked her, I was like, 'Cause she's a big foodie. I was like, hey, can you help me put the word out a bit? I was she's like, yeah, sure. So she posted on this foodies of Bangalore, all women foodies of Bangalore Facebook group. Okay. And she's like, Hi, my daughter's friend is has his avocados from Chikmagalur. And I was home delivering them in my mom's car. At 100 rupees a kg, and the first one I miscalculated it and I made a loss. Oh, <laughs> shit. for the petrol and everything, I actually spent more, and the bus fee and everything. Oh, I oh, shit. I went, but ironically, the first time I met this this lady called Monica Manchanda, who's an amazing lady, and she could tell that I was just doing these deliveries all day, and I was just tired. And she said, "Why don't you come sit down, have a glass of juice?" And then she's like, "So tell me what do you do?" Blah blah blah. And then she was like, oh, like if you ever need anything, uh, or if you need any more orders or to put the word out, uh, I can do it. And then she told her, she lived in this big gated community and, um, she's like, um, she told a few people and then the people who I delivered to, they really liked the avocados. like, Hey, what else do you have? Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I've got lemons. It wasn't coffee at the time. Um, it was like July, so uh, I was like lemons, um oranges, pepper, and things they're like oh sweet, and then one thing led to another, and I don't know here we are, and um yeah, I know, the avocados are great, man, they grow really well over here, not just over here I've seen them in kurg and Carai Canal, yeah. Indian avocados are great and they yeah. taste great they're huge they're very very healthy, people forget how healthy they actually Correct. are Correct. and um I see a lot of potential with them, and um, it's it's great to actually see how the plants are doing and okay. developing. Okay,
0: yeah, nice. <laughs> so I know uh, you do supply uh, like your fresh produce uh, not just in Bangalore but in other cities as well. Yep. Where else do you have it?
1: This year was hard because of Corona, but um, my good friend Achintya, who runs Krishi Kress in Delhi, mm-hmm. he um, has a great network. He's been doing it and doing it very well for many years. Um, so I sent some avocados and pomelos actually to him. Okay. Um, through him, when I worked with him last year, um, I met a lot of great chefs. And so this year, um, Chef Bani Nanda, who runs and Patisserie, uh, she did a monsoon citrus menu using two for cit- two different kinds of our citrus in the past. Um, Chef Radhika from Fig and Maple, Naya Dondi from Sora Bottle, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, just random also shipments to like Goa to different parts. But I'm trying to get more involved with Karnataka. Although okay. it's, I would have to admit it's a challenge, man. This year's been a challenge and. People think, oh, three twenty-five a kilo is that the price I set set them at this year, and they're like, um, why? How come they're local? Hmm. But on the other hand, they need to understand that I started, like I told you now, I started at a hundred bucks a kg, yeah. and the people who have been ordering from me since then, and a lot of people I'm very grateful for, are, have been ordering for three years, and they know that I've either upped it by fifty rupees or seventy-five rupees, and my logic again when it goes back to your previous question it's me and parmesha are the ones climbing the trees we get them out do the quality control pack the crates weigh yeah. the crates i drive to bangalore yeah. i take a rest for two hours yeah. i send a message out they accept orders make an excel sheet wake up the next morning go to my friend's bakery i drop the, the avocados off go find a park some 10 minutes away sometimes there's no parking so i'm just frustrated and then i spend the whole day just organizing danzos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I do. And yeah. so... People now know that... Like, okay, this guy... It, it adds a lot of value as well... When I actually put up videos of me... Plucking an avocado. Correct. It's like, okay...
0: This... With an interesting thing... That you cut out on that uh, plastic... Uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Picker. Yeah. Fruit picker. Fruit picker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So... It's been good. It's
1: been like... And more than that... I I feel like I've understood plants on a deeper level i can see and understand okay this is what it needs this is how long it's going to take maybe it can do with more shade maybe it can do with less shade things like that so that's been great just linking that with plants and understanding and looking at coffee as a fruit and a plant so it's been a, a nice little journey you could say
0: yeah. And then uh, I think the first, uh, after the first rush of seeing the fresh produce all over, then that the second rush that I saw and probably all the other people saw on at least, least was all of these, uh, as you mentioned, these chefs, the well-known chefs uh, yeah. and people in the bakery or patisserie or somebody running their own stuff, been using your products and, and making some dishes and then Probably that got a lot of traction as well. I mean, people would be looking at them as well, right? Yeah, for sure, man. And I feel like it, that's been great. And again, to my friend Achinte, I'm very grateful
1: for this these introductions and this. He's a chef turned farmer, and so he taught me how to sort of speak the language of chefs, and it's very important to. Correct. And um, I realized one thing that as a producer. It it will benefit a chef a lot if you know what you're talking about, if you can help them with also whether it's content Correct. or whether it's information about Correct. what you have to describe everything to its maximum. Again, it just benefits every single person from the consumer to the chef themselves, to Correct. me and yeah. or anyone. And so, um, yeah, that's how I started off and... Um, it's nice because now I feel like with these chefs also I have a nice relationship where with the coming season and hopefully things finish up with um Corona it's sad to see their yes. restaurants empty and things you know because yeah it's just their dreams and so um but yeah my Kereha clue coffee on their menus and it would be an honour because yes. it's something done by my family even roasted with my friend Nakul but who I'll work closely with <laughs> and um
0: Okay. Fair enough. So, uh, so you don't roast your own coffee yet?
1: No. Not yet. No, I, I, I've I, roasted, I would say. I've roasted on my own maybe 12-15 times. Okay. Fair on enough. Mr. Ashok and Mrs. Divya Patre's um, Huki 500 tea. Correct. So, small sample batch roast of anywhere between 150 and 350 grams. Correct. That was great. Learned yeah. a lot. Yeah. Seeing like definitely made a lot of mistakes but that's how you learn and and that's how I sort of got to understand what I was doing on the processing front or the agricultural front that could have made a coffee taste this way and then looking at things like rate of rise explode after the first crack and then I'm like okay maybe the is high why was the moisture high maybe Uh I did this six months ago Uh things like that so it's cool it's just like oh it's
0: joining joining pieces of the puzzles together for those of you who do not know what rate of rise is that's that's a terminology used while in coffee roasting where the, t- the temperature of the bean and the temperature of the uh, oven or the roaster is used to calculate uh, some kind of a graph so there's a rate of rise of how much percentage of, uh, at a time the temperature of the bean increases but again, that's something you can Google and you can find out. You can go follow Scott Rao for that. He's he's a great guy to share about that. So we, we shall stop the episode right now. Take a break and uh, continue the remainder of the uh, podcast next week in the next episode. So till then, stay tuned, have good coffee and remember, let's make coffee simple.